Yo, 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 good afternoon and happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to episode 189 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your gracious and humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. We got an exciting football weekend as I come to you again with another Football Previews Friday episode as I'll do a recap of last night's um, game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans, and I'll talk about what I believe are the best games of Week 9 in the NFL, my takes, analysis, and predictions, along with what I believe are the best games in college football, Week 10, takes analysis and predictions. And I'll end with a small tribute to the late, legendary Indiana coach Bob Knight, who recently passed away, coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get episode 189 started. Well, I'm going to start my opening takes, of course, in the NFL. We're going to start off with last night's Thursday night football matchup between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans. This looked almost like an old school um, football game. Almost reminded me back when um, both the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans were in the AFC Central back before they had the alignment back in the um, early 2000s. The Pittsburgh Steelers hung on to win this game 20-16. As I said, it started out, the first quarter was, you know, defensive game mostly. And then, of course, the offenses picked it up in the second half. But, you know, they were kind of going back and forth before finally Pittsburgh held on after intercepting Will Levis to close the game. Kenny Pickett was 19 of 30, 160 yards and one TD. Jalen Warren, 88 yards rushing, and Najee Harris, 69 yards and a touchdown. I mean, this could be a nice little combination here, and this was what Kenny Pickett needs. Some some good running out of these two. Dante Johnson, 90 yards, seven catches, one touchdown. Jalen Warren, 25 yards. But one of the things they need to, um do is they need to get um, George Pickens more involved. Part of the reason why the fans are not very happy with Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers, is because Kenny Pickett seems to be struggling to get the ball to George Pickens because you know what this brother can do when he gets the ball in his hands. And you combine him with Dante Johnson and this this should be a pretty formidable offense. On the losing side, Will Levis, 22 of 39, 262 yards, one interception. The cost the one that cost him the game. Derrick Henry had 75 yards rushing and a touchdown. Kyle Phillips, 68 yards receiving. DeAndre Hopkins, 60 yards. For the Steelers, I mean, they're hanging right in the thick of things in the um, AFC um, North, I mean, do they have a shot to win this division? It depends on how, how much things go right and, and, and for them down the way. I mean, they got one victory over the Baltimore Ravens, and they got to play them again. So, the Steelers, you just better watch out for in the second half of the season because we all know Mike Tomlin is going gonna, is gonna to always keep them in games majority of the time. For the Titans... All I can say is they need to just keep playing Will Levis at quarterback 
when even when Tannehill is healthy, it's time to um, move on and and have a new era here. Because obviously you can see Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins seems to be more involved offensively. And you got to see what you have in Will Levis going forward. I mean, as I stated in my takeaways on Tuesday, Tannehill can only has taken them as far as they can. They can't go any further with him. So it's time. So it's time to go ahead and turn the keys over to Will Levis and let him go through his growing pains in the NFL. He just had his first growing pain with that interception that cost him the game. So let him, you know, play, and then after I say week um, year three, see what you got. Now let's move on to week nine in the NFL. There's some big time games here. Let's start off with the one that Frankfurt Germany's gonna get. They got themselves a possible high scoring game. We're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. Both teams are six and two. And this, this game could actually determine which team possibly gets home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Because let's just say they have the same record at the end of the season. This game could come back to be the tiebreaker. And it's a possibility that this might be a preview of the AFC Championship game. We all know what both these offenses can do. So this is going to come down to which defense can come up with the plays to neutralize the um, other team's offense. The Chiefs usually are usually struggle on defense but they have a pretty good defense this year they're number five overall in total defense but they're gonna be challenged here against this um Miami um Dolphins passing attack I mean Tua is having a big time year he's been able to stay healthy and that's the good news but Tyreek Hill gets to play against his old team a team that he spent the first six years of his NFL career and won a Super Bowl win. So now you know he's going to be looking to stick it to his old team. So it's going to be a challenge for that Chiefs defense, especially the secondary. Can they slow down Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle? And of course, the Chiefs are they are vulnerable against the run. So look out for um, Raheem Moserati. To be able to make some plays against this um, defense. Now on the other side, they have to know where Travis Kelsey. The Dolphins have to know where Travis Kelsey is at all times. If you're gonna if you're gonna get beat by the um, Chiefs, make sure you let the other guys beat you and not Travis Kelsey. Now, of course, both these teams are going to need to get turnovers. Now, Patrick Mahomes, even though he's had statistically a good year, he, he does have eight interceptions. The same thing with Tua. Good year, he's got seven interceptions. So, turnovers are meant to have in this game for both teams. The question is, who, who wins the turnover battle? I think this game's going to come down to who has the ball last. I really do. I think the um, Frankfurt Germany fans are going to get a treat here. But I think I'm gonna go with the I think the Dolphins offense I think it will be too much for the Chiefs defense. So I believe that the Dolphins are gonna pull this game out in dramatic fashion. I'm gonna go with the Dolphins to win this game 34 to 31.
Now let's go to another big time matchup. The Seattle Seahawks go to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Now, what's going to be interesting is the Seattle Seahawks defensively have gotten a little bit better. I mean, it is added um, Leonard Edwards from the New York Giants in a trade. So that's going to make their front their, their front be a lot tougher. But it's going to be interesting to see what Pete Carroll scams up against Lamar Jackson. So it's going to be up to the um, Baltimore um, Ravens to make sure that they're able to get more out, out of the running game other than Lamar Jackson. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, they need to come through from Lamar Jackson. And of course, the secondary of this um, Seahawks are going to be tested, you know, with um, Zay Flowers and um, Mark Ed, um, Andrews. On the other side of the ball, Geno Smith has to stop turning the ball over. I mean, yeah, they're winning games, but Geno is a, is a turnover machine, and the Baltimore Ravens are one of the top defenses in the NFL. So, you know, having nine touchdowns and six interceptions, he needs to, you know, put the kibosh on those turnovers. And, of course, the secondary is going to get challenged when Geno does have time. You know, Metcalf and Lockett are no joke. And, of course, you know, they still got the running game and Kenneth Walker third. I don't think this game's going to be a lot of points. I think both of these defenses are going to have their moments. But I, be- but I believe right now, I think I trust right now Lamar Jackson over Geno Smith. So I think a very close, 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 quoting um, Coach Lee Corso, game. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Baltimore Ravens to squeak this one out. I would say at the end of the game. So, but not a lot, not a lot of points. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go Ravens to win this game, 23 to 20. Now let's move on to the battle for NFC East supremacy, in the, in, in, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Dallas Cowboys. Now we all know this is the first of two matchups in this one, so whoever wins this one will have the um, advantage early. The Dallas Cowboys coming off a big time win over the Los Angeles Rams, and the Eagles or who have the best record in the NFL at 7-1, even though they are shaky 7-1. For the Eagles, Jalen Hurt, even though Jalen Hurt has had his moments, he's got to stop turning the ball over. He's one of the league leaders in interceptions with eight. And this and Dallas defense is not the type of team you want to be turning the ball over against. Because Dallas is good at scooping and scoring. And if they can get at least two to three interceptions off Jalen Hurts, they're going to win this football game. For the Cowboys, it's all about Dak Prescott. Can he have another good game like he had versus the Rams? And he has to avoid the turnover bug as well. 
I'm going to be interesting to see what the Dallas defense comes up against. Uh, I mean, with against arguably the best receiver in the NFL, AJ Brown. AJ Brown is averaging almost 125 yards a game up there with Tyreek Hill. Give you a little bit of a preview. Next week in my um, takeaways episode, I'm going to talk. Mo- I'm going to talk more about Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown in the MVP conversation. But I'm going to see if they're going to um, have you know their best cornerback um, Bland, you know, match up against AJ Brown most of the game. And let's see if we can get. Another consistent, another good game out of C.D. Lamb for the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys need to run the ball better. I mean, they're not getting much out of the running game. And they're going to need that in this game. And the Eagles, they need to bounce, have their getting game bounce back. And, not, and it can't be just about Jalen Hurts. Swift, who was, you know, he was hot early, but seems to be a cool down some. Eagles are at home, so that's why this, this, I mean, they are the favorites, but I'm going to go with Dallas to win this game because, I don't know, I think the Eagles being shaky the way they've been and barely, you know, winning these games makes me think that I think Dallas is going to win the turnover battle and not only win the turnover battle, I think they're going to win this game 24-19. Now let's move on to... Sunday night football, huge matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. There's a possibility these two two teams may meet again in the playoffs. As the Buffalo Bills are five and three, and the Cincinnati Bengals, who have um, started off slow, have now seemed to have gotten it together, and they're at four and three. And of course, this game, of course, will be played again in Cincinnati. And everybody remembers what happened the last time these two teams played in Cincinnati. You know, the hor- the, the horrible near tragedy of um, Damar Ham, Hamlin. But he will be he will be put playing in this game, and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with him going. You know, in this game, coming back to the scene where. Unfortunately, he almost died. But to the game, but back to the game. This game, of course, is going to come down to the defenses. Now, last year, the, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals went into the cold in Buffalo and was able to neutralize the Buffalo Bills' offense. Can are they able to do it again? You know what? I actually think they can. Josh Allen, even though he's putting up some big numbers. He, he is known to be a turnover machine. You turn the ball over against this this bunch, and it's it's all it's all over about the crying. I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go to Cincinnati Bengals because I think they're I think they got their mojo back. They're clicking on both sides of the ball, and I think they're gonna call, they're gonna force Buffalo into some um, costly turnovers. So I'm gonna go with um, Cincinnati Bengals to win this matchup. Twenty seven. The 21. Before I move on to college football, the NFL trade deadline came and went on Halloween, and 
Here are a couple. Here are a couple of um, the most significant trades. We'll start with my 49ers. They were able to trade a third-round pick to the Washington Commanders to get Chase Young. This is impactful because for my 49ers, the pass rush has been non-existent for the most part. Nick Bosa has only got two sacks this this um, three sacks this um, NFL season. And the defensive line has not been as dominant, especially against the run. So adding Chase Young on one side and Nick Bosa on the other side should blow, should um, revive the pass rush. And the fact that both of these men play together at Ohio State, I think the chemistry will help spark my Niners defense. And the Commanders also traded their other um, big-time pass rusher, Montez Sweat to the Chicago Bears. Of course, this is a move that not, that's not going to have any impact on the Bears this season. But it gives them a building block on what they need to build defensively. Because the biggest one of the biggest problems, besides having an, an, an inept offense and wasting Justin Fields' um, early um, career, is the fact that their defense can't stop a nosebleed in a cold. So Montez Sweat, you know, I mean, young guy too, gives them, he gives them um, a presence that help, that they can build around defensively. And of course, um, Dobbs, Joshua Dobbs from from um, from the um, Arizona Cardinals, who was playing. I mean, pretty decent for the most part, even though his play has slipped a little bit in the past couple of games. He got traded to the Minnesota Vikings as a, re- as a reaction to the Kirk Cousins injury that sidelined him for the season. But we all know why, why Arizona did this. Kyler Murray is on his way back. And there's no way you're paying a guy that much money and you can have him sitting on the bench. No way. And, no, and I don't see them trading him either, getting, getting from under that big contract. So for um, Joshua Dobbs, at least this gives him an opportunity. Maybe a fresh start will help him, his play revived. All right, well, I'll conclude the NFL segment. Now let's move to college football. We got some big-time matchups. We're going to start off with number top-ranked Georgia facing maybe their last big test before the SEC championship, barring they get there, which most likely they will. They're going to face Missouri, who's a surprise 7-1 and and 3-1 and in the SEC. Last year, the Bulldogs had to come from behind to win this game at Missouri. Missouri gave them all they can handle before Georgia was able to pull the victory out. This year... Missouri is 7-1, and one, and if they can somehow pull a huge upset over Georgia and then win the rest of their games, they could be in the SEC championship because they would own the tiebreaker. Now, Georgia, even though they've been shaky at times, they've been big when it comes to the opponent. They've gotten up huge for the opponent. Ask Kentucky, ask Florida last week. 
But now their, def their defense is going to get tested against this red zone offense of Missouri, which has a 97.1 success rating in the, in the um, red zone, which is the best in the, in the nation. I mean, Georgia, is, Georgia ain't no um, slouch when it comes to their defense, even though they, they have been known to give up big plays at times. And there's a possibility we could have a nice little um, quarterback matchup. I mean, Carson Beck for Georgia has been playing some excellent ball, but don't sleep on Brady Gom Cook, who, who's pretty good at running and passing the ball. And then Georgia's defense is going to have to if, um, know where Luther um, Burden III is at all times. This guy is one of the league leaders in receptions. What, he's almost got close to 1,000 yards on 61 receptions. But of course... For the, for the Missouri defense, they have to know where Lad McCorney, um, Corny Key um, is because he's been the guy since Brock Bowers has gone down with an injury. So this game is gonna come. This game is gonna come down to who can who can win the majority of the battles: the Missouri offense or the Georgia defense. Because this is a big game and this is in Georgia, I, th I think Missouri hangs in this ball game probably for about, I'd say, a half and a and, and maybe a quarter. But I think in the end, I think Georgia is just too uh, is just going to be better than they are. And I think Georgia, I think midway to the third quarter, starts to make plays and then pull away in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to go with Georgia to win this game 37 to 27. Now let's move on to Alabama versus LSU. That's right. Last year, LSU upset Alabama and Brian Kelly, the head coach's first season. LSU has been on a three-game winning streak since losing that game to, to um, Ole Miss a month ago. Alabama, ever since that um that loss to Texas, they seem to have gotten things correct with their quarterback. But now their defense is going to be tested. Which they have been tested the past couple of games because they've given up 20 in the last three. So it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to contain Jalen Daniels, who's putting up who's putting up some big time um, um, numbers, and surprisingly, he's not being mentioned in the um, Heisman Trophy um, race. He's got 25 touchdowns and three interceptions, and they're seven and one. I mean, six and two. I'm sorry. And there's a possibility they may be able to um. Snatch the um, SEC um, West crown from um, Alabama if they can pull off this victory. Because they get the tiebreaker, they, they win, and they could be facing Georgia or Missouri in the SEC matchup. Now imagine that. Somehow uh, Missouri pulling off an upset over Georgia and LSU beating Alabama and those two teams meeting. It would be, be an unfamiliar SEC championship, but who knows? Anyway... 
This matchup is going to come to whether the Alabama defense is going to be able to contain Jalen Daniels. And I think for the, and Alabama's defense is definitely not the defense that we're used to seeing. It's still, it's still pretty good, but it's suspect. Now, on the, other, on the offensive side of the ball, can, can, the, can the LSU defense turn Jalen um, Millwar back to the Jalen Millwar of earlier this season when he was just basically struggling and was benched? So can can they stop can they stop the run of Alabama and, and make Jalen Lamore beat them with his with his arm? And I think that's gonna be the key for um, LSU if they're gonna beat Alabama and Alabama. I think this matchup is gonna it's gonna be a usual close game for the most part. But I think in the end, I think Nick Saban comes up with um a good defensive plan. And I think he will do just enough to neutralize Jalen Daniels and win this matchup. I would say by the score of 27-19. Now let's go down to a big time matchup in the Pac-12. I'm actually looking forward to this one. Washington versus USC. This is a battle of arguably the two best quarterbacks in college football, Michael Penix Jr. and Khalib Williams. This could be a preview of what we're going to see at the next level on Sundays, maybe another, maybe next year or the year after. Both these men are putting up huge numbers, and I would argue these are the top two um, in the Heisman Trophy um, race. Michael Penix Jr. has 24 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Khalid Williams has 25 touchdowns and 4 interceptions. This game, I think, is going to come down to which which, um, quarterback um, makes the most plays and which defense is able to um, neutralize the other. Let's be honest. Both of these defenses are, are a little suspect. Particularly the USC defense. USC is at home, so that gives them an, an advantage. But I personally don't. I don't trust um, the USC defense. So I would think I, I'm going to trust um, Washington's defense maybe just a little bit more than I trust USC. I think this guy. This game is going probably go in the 40s. So I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna go with Washington. I'm gonna go with Michael Penix Jr. and company to make enough plays in the fourth quarter and 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 do just enough to pull out a victory in LA. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Washington wins this game 49 to 46. Now before I close out episode 188 we're going to do I'm going to do, do a small tribute to the late coach Bobby Knight coach Bobby Knight passed away on November 1st at the age of 83 anybody who's been, who knows sports know th- this is one of the legends 
not only in college basketball, but in sports. Bob, Bob Knight coached Indiana for nearly 29 years and won three national championships. The one in 1976, his first, where his team was undefeated throughout the whole season. He won again in 81, and of course his last one in 1987. He also won the NIT championship. And he also won a gold medal in 1984. And in 1979. He's one of the all-time winningest coaches in college basketball with 902 wins. He was a Big Ten Coach of the Year three times through his tenure. National Coach of the Year in his last national championship year. Bob Knight, of course, had a um, a career at Indiana, which lasted 29 years, which was turbulent at, time, at times, especially toward the end, where they, they, they questioned a lot of his um, antics, how he, pra- how, how he um, coached practice, how he coached the players. So a new administration came in and started trying to crack down on Bob Knight. And then, of course, he was relieved of his duties in 2000 after an incident with an with a, with a Indiana student. And then, of course, after that, he went to um, coach the Texas Tech after a year from um, leaving, um, being fired from Indiana. He, had, um, he, was, he was there for seven years, had 126 wins, and made the Sweet 16 in 2004-2005. Of course, after, after his um, time was up in Texas Tech, he went, in, he went on ESPN as an analyst. He was there for seven years. Then, of course, all of a sudden, once he um, retired from sports in general, we haven't heard from him again until recently when he passed away at the age of 83. All I want to say is for, uh, um, for um, Coach Bob Knight, I mean, you had a great life. I mean, watching you coach um, basketball was a lot of fun because I was basically a kid when he, when he was coaching um, basketball. And I've heard of Bob Knight. And just want to say thank you for all the memories and rest in peace. Coach Bob Knight. And now we'll conclude episode 189 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it very much. You can follow this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you or wherever you stream your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13. And you can follow my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the games, and I'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Bye-bye.